Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. That is, if you're in the United States, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And I know I'm thankful for Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko Dart, such a great disability leader and wife of a person that passed away several years ago, a great general for passing the ADA, Justin Dart. And we're not going to forget him. That's why I talk about him on every show. I'm going to make sure business people, everyone says, who is Justin Dart? Hey, Justin Dart's so famous, he was a Jeopardy question. So, got to check that out. And, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going on in Ireland. But you guys are awesome. We, of all 17 countries, we have the biggest listening audience in Ireland. So, you know what? I send my congratulations to you. I see we have passionate disability rights leaders. So, you know, you keep it up because you are like a star and you're helping me help people with disabilities who live in Ireland. Now, I have to thank Highmark. Highmark is our lead sponsor. I'm bringing them up because the CEO, David Holmberg, just received the prestigious Tony Coelho Award for his work in furthering the employment of people with disabilities. And David, thank you for this entire year sponsoring our radio show and also earlier in the year, audio I Thank you so much. So now I am so excited. I so looked forward to this show. I love this woman, okay, this young woman. She is like a fireball. That's the only way I could describe her, fireball. She is the executive director of the Epilepsy Alliance of Louisiana, Allison DeBattista, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. I'll have to tell my parents that you also call me a fireball. <laughs> They'll well, agree you with are. you. Yeah, you are a fireball. <laughs> there is no doubt about that. Um, and Allison, I just love you. You're so passionate and so caring about people living with epilepsy, as you know I do. So I commend you for everything you're doing. But since we have listeners around the world, how about if we we start by you telling our listeners how you first became involved in the world of epilepsy. Oh, well, sure. Um, and I'll be very honest. I did not know much more about epilepsy when I started at this position than more than to spell it, to be quite honest. I had uh, made a career change. I wanted to be a nonprofit. And I heard about the, I was a nonprofit for about a year and a half, and I heard about this opportunity. 
And it seemed like a good fit with my skill set and what I could bring to the table. And uh, and everybody told me, they're like, you know, epilepsy is a challenge. It's not easy. And when you tell me things like that, that really sparks me. I like challenges. I don't like things to be easy. And so I, I they did an executive search about seven years ago. And I was very honest. I said, look, the you're you're in desperate needs right now. The organization was in desperate needs, and I said, I, "I'm your girl. I will give it all." You know, and um, sure enough, I was lucky enough. I, I got this position, and I truly can't imagine serving a different community every day. The people with epilepsy they just bring me so much joy. Their lives are difficult, and so it makes this job seem somewhat easy compared to what they have to live with. And, I, and I'm proud to rec- represent the epilepsy community in Louisiana. So it's been a ch- it has been a challenge. Um, I will say that, but it's a very rewarding one, and I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Now, you know, I always tell young people <clears throat> living with epilepsy, I say, you know, when you have epilepsy, too many neurons are firing off. That's why it fits my personality. Firepower. So see, we have something in common. We've both got that firepower, Allison. And I am glad you are representing us. Let me tell you, uh, we can't wait to get you in my hometown of Pittsburgh. Can't wait to have you come up here. Uh, but Allison, the name of your organization is the Epilepsy Alliance of Louisiana. Where are you headquartered and what territory do you support? So we we um, serve the entire state. So all 64 parishes, because you know, in Louisiana we have to be unique. We don't have counties. We have parishes. And our main office is in the capital, Baton Rouge. Um, I currently am in New Orleans. That's where uh, both large epilepsy centers are in the state. And we have an office and services in North Louisiana and Shreveport. So our reach is statewide. We also help, um, you know, but I I say if you call our office, we really don't have borders. We're going to help you wherever you are, and we're going to find the resources in your area, maybe tap into a local organization in their area that we know about and um, help help anybody who calls our office with epilepsy being their their main priority and need. So, uh, you know, but... The borders around Louisiana, we often get people from Texas and Arkansas and Mississippi who want to participate in our events, um, and, you know, we're more than welcome to have them. Well, that's great. You know, this is, as you know, National Epilepsy Month, and I always say, you know, there's no limit to where there are people living with epilepsy in in the United States or in one state. And so just so we, if we have listeners living in the state of Louisiana, you cover the entire state. So anyone could call you. Is that right? 
Yes, yes. Anyone can call us. We will. Um, it, it takes some coordination, coordination sometimes if we have to travel, but um, we will do it. There is a, a lady who called us the other day, and her son was having trouble uh, at school riding the bus. And you know, the it was a very rural part of the state, and so it took us two hours to get there, but we got there and we trained the the school bus driver, and everybody was okay. So yes, we do in fact serve the whole state. Okay, so if someone listening to the show right now throughout the state wants to contact you, how do they do that? Okay, so they can either go to our website, which is epilepsylouisiana.org, and they can send us an email, or they can look for our 1-800 number or our local numbers, and they can email us or um, call us, and we will be happy to help them. Okay, epilepsylouisiana.org. So if you're listening to the show right now, you know we're coming to the holiday season. And to do this great work, it really does take resources. So epilepsylouisiana.org, make a donation. And Allison, can they just go to your website? Yes, they can go to our website and there's a donate button and they can easily make a donation to our organization and every penny counts. I mean, some people, people, some people are scared because they feel like their donation isn't enough. And, you know, I, I just smile when they say that. And I'm like, I don't think you understand, like 25 cents, you know, it all goes into the pot that we have to help people. So any amount of donation really does help. And it stays in the state for us to help the people here who are struggling with epilepsy. Yeah. Oh, that is true. If you're listening to this show, I don't care if it's $1, $5, $10, of course, Thousands of dollars are accepted, but you could be living in that state, you know, not have a lot of money, but you want to help. So don't worry about the amount. That's like with United Way, I always tell my employees, even $1 makes a difference. So don't hesitate to make a donation today. Um, So, Allison, something I wanted to talk about is I guess that you probably deal with great and different stigma than other cities do for your constituents uh, with voodoo being a religion in Louisiana. I'm assuming there are probably um, stigma about, oh, if someone has an epilepsy, a seizure, that could be a curse. You know, what is it like there? So, you know, and I giggle when you say that, but it's, it is so true. Um, in Louisiana, you know, we are, we are full of different cultures, and it makes us unique, and we have people from all different places and backgrounds who have different beliefs, and it creates for a very diverse atmosphere, especially in South Louisiana. And so it is part of our trainings that we do, um, and trainings and education is just about erasing the stigma. And if I can do do anything as executive director in Louisiana. It'll be for people to understand that people who have seizures are not possessed, but that is in fact what some people still think, and it's not something to laugh about or to ridicule somebody about. If they think that, that's just what they've been taught through the years, so it's our job to educate them and let them know that that is in fact 
not true that no one is possessed or it's not a spiritual thing when someone has a seizure, that it is a neurological condition. And this is how we properly need to handle it. We need to be hands-on, not hands-off and scared. Which is so true. That's why it's so important that every member of the Alliance is out there working in the community, working on programs, advocacy, and that is what it's all about. Uh, and, and by the way, when I go to other parts of the world, even worse. But that stigma, when it comes to epilepsy, is pervasive. There is no doubt about that. But hey, we have a caller on the line right now. Um, caller, are you there? I am. I am. I'm here. Hi, Karen. How are you? Yes. I am good. I am good. Uh, Karen Egozi, another great leader in the United States with the Epilepsy Alliance of Florida, uh, who I think so highly of. Uh, thanks for calling in, Karen. Oh, no, my pleasure. And I was listening to you and Allison talk about um, the concept of epilepsy being caused by spirits and um, I'm here in South Florida, which, um, as you know, we have a huge Caribbean population, and it's very common, particularly in the Haitian community, uh, where they do practice voodoo to believe that, you know, people with epilepsy are possessed, and it's not a neurological condition. Um, even people that have, you know, go to their doctors still believe that it was their neighbor next door that didn't like them and put a curse on them. So it is a big problem, and and like Allison said, that is what people believe, but it's our job to educate them and try to break down that that stigma that, that makes it harder for everyone. But I was really calling because um, as an Alliance member and having the pleasure of Having Allison DeBatista as one of my colleagues, um, I just wanted to salute her for her amazing work in Louisiana um, and actually nationwide now with the Alliance. Um, she's really been a leader and um, someone that we all admire. Her enthusiasm and her personality is just second to none and um, helps get the word out about epilepsy and educate people on what it is and, and how to um, treat a seizure. So um, I wanted to salute her because uh, I really admire Allison and it has been such a pleasure working side by side with her. Aw, Karen, thank you. I have, I have to say, when I was very green in this job about seven years ago, Karen's the first executive director I reached out to about an issue I was having with a support group. And uh, she gave me the best advice ever. And I, I tell myself every day, she told me, just do your thing. You're going to do the right thing. Just do your thing. And um, that's been fabulous advice. So, Karen, I really appreciate that. Well, you've just really blossomed into an amazing leader, and I hope that you and your constituents in Louisiana recognize the value of having you at the helm of such an important organization. Well, and Karen, before you go, you too are such a great leader that I am going to 
get you to be a guest on my radio show at the beginning of the year. See what happens ah, when you was... call in? See what happens? <laughs> but you know, my pleasure. You know, it would be you know, my pleasure. You, you are an amazing advocate um, in our, I guess, our country and even internationally that it would be an honor to be on your show. And I would love to do that. So count on me. All right. Thank you for calling in, Karen. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Thanks, Karen. Now, isn't that amazing also that Karen has that same problem with voodoo in the in her country? I mean, in her state. Isn't that amazing? I guess I never thought about that, the Haitian and Caribbean community. And, you know, I mean, you can see why we have such stigma if people believe that. And you know what scares me about that, Allison? That means there are people that are not getting medication because their family feels they're possessed. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We had an unfortunate situation where a gentleman had um, passed away. He had epilepsy and, you know, the family, part of the family was just very upset because they feel like Growing up, they, he didn't have the attention that he needed because they thought he could just, you know, lack of better art, shake it off or just it, it just stop doing it. There was something he could do that um, he was doing it. It's almost like he was doing it to himself. And um, years and years of that led to inadequate health care and finding the right access that he need. And, you know, who knows what how it would have turned out if it would have turned out differently. So it, it, it's frightening. It is that frightening, the, the lack of education about epilepsy. Oh, it is because, you know, just like me, <clears throat> I didn't know I have epilepsy, what happens. I have a seizure, I hit my head at a movie theater and end up having uh, life-saving brain surgery. So now I'm thinking about all these people, uh, like what Karen talked about, where their families think they are possessed, and it's like Tony Quello. Instead of getting the medication, they're going to witch doctors or shamans or nowhere or uh, trying to cast out demons, whatever it is. Those people are not getting medication. That is so scary. So that's why. That's why it's important what you and the Alliance members are doing, which is getting out in the community to make a difference. So, Allison, I have a question here. Overall, in this country, do you believe people understand epilepsy? No, not at all. Uh, And I'm quick to say that. we train, Epilepsy Alliance Louisiana trains more than 5,000 people a year on um, seizure recognition, first aid, and we tailor, we can tailor it to law enforcement, uh, you know, senior care, and there's not one training we do. Um, we do a lot of classrooms where people are, are like, look at you with that dumbfounded look, and they're like, aha, it's like that aha moment. They're like, I had no idea or um, they they just they just didn't know anything about it, and so you know, being able to say that I consistently have seen it, I, I can adequately I can honestly say not enough people know about epilepsy at all. And you know, also people think I call the 
tonic-clonic seizures when I do trainings, Hollywood seizures. That's the type of seizures that you, you relate to when you see them in the movie or on TV. But there are so many other different types of seizures, you know. It's so important that we train. We were able to train all of the New Orleans Police Department a couple years back about um, complex partial seizures because, and we and we joke and we say, it, now look, you know, in New Orleans it probably is drunken disorderly behavior, but keep in back of your mind, that's what complex partial seizures look like. So this is what you have to do in order to make sure that you're responding correctly and you're not furthering harm on somebody who's having a seizure. And so, and so there's just so many different varieties of seizures that people need to know about and be aware of in the community. Yes, and I hate to say this, but even teachers in some schools that think the person's daydreaming when in fact they're having an opsant seizure. So I think that's really important that you're, uh, oh, that's so good you're going to police departments so they aren't tasing a person with epilepsy. But I think that education is important across the board, nurses, uh, first responders, educators, uh, and that's what you do that is so very important. Uh, Let me take a quick break. We have another caller on the line. Peggy, are you on the line? I'm here, Joyce. How are you today, Peggy? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm Thank you. I just wanted to thank both of you. I wanted to thank you for spending so much time on your shows this month talking about epilepsy and epilepsy awareness, and thank you for that. We really appreciate your help with that. Um, and I wanted to um, thank Allison for all the work that she's done with the uh, Epilepsy Alliance of America and all the work, obviously, that she does in Louisiana, and, and I'm sure that your callers can tell by now that she's extraordinarily um, well-versed in all the programs that she's, you know, and, and she is primarily responsible, I think, for creating most of the programs in Louisiana at this point. But I also wanted to thank her for all the fundraising she does in Louisiana because I know that she works every weekend, basically, doing <laughs> fundraising and special events. And, Joyce, you know how hard that is and how much energy it takes. And I just wish I had about, I don't know, maybe a third of the energy that Allison has. I mean, she just is... <laughs> relentless in her fundraising uh, efforts on behalf of the Epilepsy Alliance in Louisiana. And I just wanted to say thank you, Allison. You are an inspiration to me. You're just nonstop, and I've just enjoyed working with you so much. So I just wanted to call in and say thank you to both of you. Wow, sweet. Thank you so much, Peggy. And I admire you and your passion for people with epilepsy. And what you've done in Pittsburgh is truly amazing. I just need your energy. You just need to, like, bottle that energy for me and ship it my way. <laughs> well, you know. I definitely want to come to your Mardi Gras event this year. It is on my calendar, Peggy. It is on my okay, calendar. Okay, March, March 5th. Oh, you will love it. You will love it. And you know what? We are so, um, I have to take this opportunity uh to tell you how blessed we are to have Peggy Beam Jelly as our CEO. She is a force to be reckoned with. She is someone I truly admire. Uh, We are just so lucky to have her uh, heading up the Epilepsy Association of Western and Central PA. 
Well, you thank you, Joyce. We, we're all blessed to have, have one another, I think. This is, there, we have a lot, a lot of work to do, for sure, and, and really, really just wanted to say thank you to Allison for all the work she's done in Louisiana and, and everything that has gone on with the Epilepsy Alliance of America, and um, thank you, Joyce, for helping us with awareness during the month of November, um, not just with, you know, the, the United States, but all of your listeners all all over the world. So thank you so much to both of well, you. Peggy, before you go, um, I would like you to also comment on the next question, which is, what do you do in the state? And Allison, I'd like you to answer first. What does your organization do in the state to serve constituents that live in poverty and do not have resources for medication? So, you know, Louisiana is very lucky in the fact that there are lots of outlets and sources, resources for people to get the medication that they need. Um, the problem is they just don't know the right people to the right places to call. And so we, we really serve as a conduit between the um, charity pharmacies, the indigent care clinics, and the pharmaceutical companies that do prescription assistance programs. And we make sure that the patient is getting their medication through one of the three avenues. Um, Strategic plan-wise, we do want to offer a medication assistance program of our own, but that... but. We don't see the desperate need for that just yet because most people are able to get their medication in Louisiana through those avenues. So, um, but as healthcare changes, we're going to remain on top of it. How about how, Peggy? How about here? How about in Pennsylvania? Yeah, we're, we're in we're in fairly similar situation. You know, we were blessed in Pennsylvania that um, Pennsylvania was a state that took advantage of. Um, the um, health, the, the new health care, you know, what everybody refers to as Obamacare um, and, and Medicaid expansion. So folks, by and large, have fairly decent access to um, health care options right now in Pennsylvania. And we certainly hook folks up with um, pharmaceutical assistance programs when that's necessary. But we also make sure that nobody goes without medication. Um, if somebody is in between jobs or if somebody something happens with their, their medical assistance or for whatever reason, and there's a bajillion different reasons why somebody's insurance would get canceled or their insurance doesn't cover an initial prescription, something like that, we do have um, an emergency medication program where the, the association, our, our Epilepsy Association of Western and Central Pennsylvania, will pay the pharmacy for a 30-day supply of seizure medications for a patient to make sure that they don't skip any of their doses because it's so important to not do that. And then we work with the patient and their family over that 30 days to make sure that their insurance is reinstated or that we've connected them with the proper insurance um, through either a state program or, or, as Allison said, one of the pharmaceutical programs. And typically 30 days is enough time to work out a longer-term resolution or solution for the, for the coverage. Yeah, what a disaster it would be if there was not coverage for pre-existing conditions. 
period, across the board. But Uh, there mm -hmm. are people that get get caught somehow in this striation of this, you know, in sort of in a, I call it the gray area. They have insurance, but they can't afford medication. Um, So I'm so glad. I mean, Joyce, we we run into folks all the time who, you know, they've never... You know, I worked recently with a gentleman who has always had insurance through his wife's employer, and he's never had to worry about pre-existing conditions. It's never been a problem. You know, he's in his 50s, and they've been married for, you know, 27 years or something. He's never had a problem, and suddenly his wife lost her job through layoffs and cutbacks and that sort of thing. He had no idea what to do. None whatsoever. And, you know, when when you've not faced that problem right. in the past, sometimes it's very, very difficult when you've never been in the quote-unquote system, quote-unquote, you know, and he was flabbergasted to find out that the cash price of the medications that he takes on a monthly basis was over $2,000, mm-hmm. you know, right. so... I mean, they were doing okay, but they didn't have $2,000 a month. They paid for right. his first month, but then, you know, at $2,000 a month, it doesn't take long to deplete somebody's savings, you know. Oh, so, I mean, that, that's terrible. Yeah, pretty soon right. the person can't pay their rent. Wow, that is right. terrible. I mean, imagine right. if you have a high rent payment or mortgage payment, and, and right. then that happens. Um so thank God you're doing this. And Peggy, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Thank you both again. Thanks, have Peggy. Have a great afternoon. All right. Have a great yeah. day. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye. Well, it is that time on the half hour for our news update on what's going on nationally in the disability community from an advocacy standpoint. So it's time for Advocacy Matters with our person that is just so great nationally. Perry Jude Radisic, welcome back. Hey, Joyce, thank you so much. Uh, and really, uh, thank you for what you've been doing for uh, the last four weeks with Disability Matters as you've celebrated uh, National Epilepsy Awareness Month with leaders in the advocacy community as your guests. Really, I've heard several common themes that have emerged from your conversations. And one of the main themes has been the employment of people with epilepsy. Yes, terrible. Yeah, that's been a stigma, has been a theme, and the employment of people with epilepsy has been a theme. The statistics show that there are, (coughs) excuse me, some 3 million people with epilepsy in the United States. And we know also from statistics that the unemployment rate for people with disabilities, uh, with epilepsy, is two to three times that of the general population. This is unacceptable. Yes. Absolutely unacceptable. Mm -hmm. I mean... it, yeah, it is. Ahead, it's Joyce. shameful. No, it's shameful. Go ahead, Perry. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Those statistics are not okay. So we know that there's stigma, and we know that uh, there's possibly 
then related to the stigma, discrimination. The Equal mm-hmm. Employment Opportunity Commission, or the EEOC as we know it, is the federal agency that's charged with processing complaints, employment complaints, under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Now, generally, there were 26,838 ADA employment complaints in 2017. Of those, 293 complaints were on the basis of epilepsy discrimination. So of the 26,000 complaints, 293, or about 1.1%, were based on epilepsy discrimination. Wow. In 2016, the numbers were about the same. 347 complaints were filed with the EEOC on the basis of epilepsy discrimination. And as I looked back at the data all the way into the mid-1990s, the data was the same. Always about 1.1 to 1.7 of the complaints were on the basis of epilepsy. So it's important that the word gets out that if you or someone you know has a question about employment discrimination, you should call your local protection and advocacy agency because we can give you information about employment discrimination, about the reasonable accommodation process, and it's free. We often have those materials on our website that you can go to our website and download that. Uh, The Epilepsy Foundations across the country may also be a resource of information. So you can find us across the country at ndrn.org. You can also, of course, engage your own private attorney to discuss these issues. In Pennsylvania, we are at disabilityrightspa.org. And I can tell you we have lots of resources related to employment and reasonable accommodations. It's always best to reach out to someone first to talk about what your rights are before you consider filing your EEOC complaint and to get information and make sure your complaint is filed correctly. Advocacy matters, and so does education about reasonable accommodation and employment discrimination. So find out more about us at ndrn.org, disabilityrightspa.org, or go directly to the EEOC.gov website. DisabilityRightsPA.org. Perry, thank you so much for, you know, talking about this. Uh, You know how personal this is to me. Uh, But people are discriminated against. They don't know what to do. So... DisabilityRightsPA.org. And once again, what's the national website? 
Yes, it's N as in Nancy, ndrn.org. That's ndrn.org. And then you can find any one of us, our sister agencies across the country and in the territories. Yes, and make sure you do that. Perry, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for keeping us on target, and we'll look forward to hearing from you next week. Thank you, Joyce. Take care. So, Allison, as you can see, hey, we're all about advocacy, right? That's the great thing about the alliance. We're all about advocacy. Um, And, you know, Perry was just talking about the unemployment rate for Americans living with epilepsy, and it is sky high. It is extremely high. How much of that, Allison, do you think is related to transportation? Oh, uh, I mean, yes, I think it's absolutely directly. It's definitely a top three factor. Um, And Louisiana, we just don't have adequate public transportation, and it's one of the most frustrating, it's one of the most frustrating things, whether it's to get to a doctor's appointment or to have a job and, or to get their medication. Um, it gives people anxiety about, like, they're already anxious because they're going to work and they're worried they're going to have a seizure. And then they have, they have to either count on a ride, so it's not their fault if they're tardy a lot of times, or, or they, the, you know, the bus system that they, they use if they're lucky enough to live in an area with a transportation system is not on time. So it, it creates a huge problem to where I think people really just throw their hands in the air and they're like, I, I just can't do it, which, you know, I hate hearing those words, but I understand that struggle. And with employment, you know, when you ask some people about epilepsy, the first thing they say, and I don't care who they are, they say it's scary, right? Epilepsy is scary. And employers, I've met lots of employers through the year, they want to hire people with epilepsy, but they're scared. And so there we come in with the education. It's like, okay, you shouldn't be scared. You should feel, you should feel comfortable. I don't think a workplace is at its, at its best until it's inclusive of people with disabilities and, um, of, and people of all different kinds of backgrounds and because they bring so much perspective and so much value to an organization. And so I, I think training employers how to accommodate people with epilepsy and how to feel comfortable um, and just the right steps to where they don't feel that they're liable. Um, you know, there's lots of issues when it comes to employment that the barriers that we can break down. And then, and then unfortunately, then we have to try to find the transportation means. And that, that is one of the hardest things is the transportation. Yeah. And, you know, companies need to try to be creative about this. You know, first, we have people that could work from home. Many people work from home. You could include people with epilepsy. And then, you know, like uh, traveling together to work, trying to come up with some creative plan, because just as you said, that is one, not only because, you know, stigma is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. If there there would not be stigma, people would work harder companies to try to work that out for people. But in addition to that, transportation is without a doubt uh, an extremely high barrier. Um, So, so Allison, 
you know, we've been talking about adults with epilepsy, but what is horrific to me is children that have Mm -hmm. so many seizures a day. You know, I'm very blessed. Yes, I've had seizures off and on over the past several years, but few and certainly nothing like some children. So could you talk about that? Because I'm not sure our listeners understand that. And that may also be another reason you should make a contribution. So could you talk about that? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, the children, it, as we all, well, I don't know, as we all know, I shouldn't say that. It's too generalized. But epilepsy is a spectrum. And, you know, 70%, I think that the latest statistics, 70% of people can take medication and be controlled and not have a seizure. But the other 30%, um, it's on a spectrum to where there might be a child or an adult who has a seizure once every six months or so, or, or there might be um, a child who's having 30, 40 obstant seizures a day, maybe even hundreds a day, um, multiple tonic-clonic seizures to where the parent parents just celebrate one day where their child did not have a seizure. I mean, you know, that's their milestone, and absolutely that should be celebrated if the child if the child is constantly having seizures. And it's a battle, you know. I mean, there's somebody who I'm very dear and close to, and he went for three years without having seizures, and he was getting his driver's license and going and getting ready to go to college, and then all of a sudden there's three or four seizures a day, and it cannot be explained. And no matter what specialists they go to or how much they have, uh, you know, access to care, it's just unexplainable. And it's painful. It's painful to watch. And as a a parent of a child with epilepsy, you want answers, you search for answers, and a lot of times there just aren't answers. And so we try to provide programs to where um, one of our biggest programs in the state of Louisiana, which we're one of the ones we're most proud of, is our SPOKES program. And it stands for um, uh, <laughs> parents of uh, this stands for Parents of Kids with Seizures and Epilepsy, Support for Parents of Kids with Seizures and Epilepsy. And so this is a time where we can give kids a chance. So we do it at bowling alleys. We do art therapy. We do, um, I think we're going to do a karaoke thing at the beginning of the year. We always do a little back-to-school thing. And this gives time kids time to bring around other kids just like themselves and kind of share the challenges and uh, about having epilepsy. And then the parents are invited, and they have their own support group at that time, and they share challenges and successes of raising a child with epilepsy. And like I say, just come and hear what other people have to say. You can learn so much about listening to somebody who's walked in those shoes. Uh, if you call our office, uh, you know, I'll pick up the phone. I can only give you so much information. I, I can't give you the insight you need. And that's why we, we always tr- strive. We either have somebody with epilepsy on our staff or we have a caregiver on staff because it's so important to have that connection because somebody we want to we want you to understand that we know how you feel and so our spokes program is great we do it statewide and it really gives time and opportunity for people to learn what it what their future is going to look like with this child and on the spectrum so uh, a lot of people a lot of kids can you know participate in activities, everyday activities, and that's wonderful. But there is a population that they can't, and their life looks dramatically different than other kids. 
Yeah, and I don't think, you know, that one thing you talked about, how there are parents that this is like around the clock, you know, watching their child. I mean, I, I you can't fathom that people could have 100 seizures in a day, but a child could. It could be just nonstop uh, obsons or, you know, whatever it is. And um, so, so difficult. That's why having that support is so important. Again, over the holiday season, you're thinking of making a contribution. What is the website again? So it's epilepsylouisiana.org. And and I think it's important, too, that people search, you know, these parents, <laughs> they, ha- they have to hold on to hope. Okay, and and so it's important that if we we look to get these kids monitors to where it alerts parents. I mean, technology has been amazing for people with epilepsy. Um, it gives parents a little bit of ease, peace of mind. It allows for um, remote working if possible, and so. There's monitors while they sleep in the bed. There's monitors they can wear on their wrist that alerts people if they have a seizure. And that at least gives the child a little bit of independence from the parent if the parent knows they'll be alerted right away if they have a seizure. So there's a bunch of different um, items on the market now which are helping people with epilepsy live, I think, an improved quality of life. That is so wonderful. That is so wonderful. Hey, uh, Allison, I know something we talk about, and this happened to me, actually. I was having these, quote, fainting spells, and, of course, they weren't fainting spells, but I didn't know that. So I went to the family doctor, and look, the rest is history, what happened to me. But I think that's important for people to know you know, say they think, wait, something strange is happening here. You know, what is this? Is it epilepsy? You know, I don't know what it is. How important it is, in your opinion, for them to see a neurologist? Oh, I I think if there's any education, and I tell every, you know, it's funny because all these, like, drug companies ask for um, different feedback, and I tell them all the same thing. And I was like, and one day I said there needs to be more information about when to see a specialist, especially in rural areas where there isn't as much access. And a lot of times, like in New Orleans, you'll go for an eval, and then they don't even realize they're getting sent to the epilepsy center, right? But that's not happening in other parts of the state and other parts of the country. So I think it's so important. I mean, one of our board members, she was told she had anxiety for two years, and she was on so much clonopin she could barely function. And finally, she saw a neurologist. They put her on an EEG machine, and within two minutes, she had a diagnosis. And so it's just it's so important to see a neurologist or an epileptologist by any means if you can see somebody at an, at an epilepsy center. And, you know, that's not something you have to commit to for the rest of your life. You can go to an epilepsy center, get a workup, get a treatment plan, and then let your, you know, primary care handle it from there unless there's issues and they'll be in coordination with the doc, the epileptologist or the neurologist at the epilepsy center. I just think it's so important. I, I wish everybody who had epilepsy had the access to an epilepsy center and a specialist because uh, just the wide variety of comprehensive care they can receive is just it's dramatically different. 
Oh, I so agree with you. You know, if you're listening to the show, there are neurologists that specialize in epilepsy, which is why we call them epileptologists. But no matter what, no matter what, you've got to go to a neurologist. You cannot just go to the family doctor. And look at me. If anyone would stress that with what happened to me, I know how important that really is. So, um, and and Joyce, and just real quick to follow up on that. And also if you have a seizure and you're brought to the emergency room and the emergency doctor or somebody on staff wants to give you Keppra and start you on, um, on medication or any medication for seizures, make an appointment with a neurologist, get checked out first. Don't just rely on the emergency room care either. Oh yeah, that happens a lot, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, that that yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that happens a lot. You know, Allison, there are some people if they have a seizure at work, they do not want you to call an ambulance. Because now this brings attention everywhere. In other words, these are people right. that have said to people, "Look, if I have a seizure, it's going to last two minutes. This is what you do, and then I'll come to. Now, don't get me wrong. If it's and someone and, and this continues on, I understand. Right. But not everyone has to go to the hospital. No, it's costly. It's time-consuming. It's, it's, you know, exaggerating the situation in many aspects. I mean, yes, if it's the first time somebody's had a seizure in the workplace, absolutely call 911. Um, but once, if you know that person has epilepsy and you have the conversation with the HR and you say, look, this is what it looks like, this is protocol, but this is when you are to call 911, you know, if it's past five minutes or whatever they and their, whatever their doctor and them have decided is their threshold, um, then and it's okay. It's not an emergency. Same thing with classrooms. These kids need to stay in school if they, they can stay in school. So it, I do think that's where the education comes in. Me too. Yeah. I really think that's so important. So, Allison, um, Wow. Look what you've done. You've done so much in your life, moving into not-for-profit, helping people with epilepsy, learning about epilepsy, (laughs) helping people. However, if you had to look back this year and say what you consider your greatest accomplishment, what would that be? Oh, goodness. This year has been quite a year for accomplishments, I have to say, you know. First of all, gathering, um, founding, being a founding member with you and other members of the uh, Epilepsy Alliance America, um, you know, it's just been, it's been overwhelming, but at the same time, it's exciting because this organization was founded to provide real epilepsy help in communities and be the boots on the ground that people need, and we want, and Everybody's so like-minded and and respectful of each other, and yet we want to remain autonomous. Like I say, nobody else is going to be able to do a crawfish bowl in their area, and I'm not expecting anybody to. But, um, you know, I just take so much pride in what the Alliance has uh, accomplished in just a few short months, and I look 
forward to watching it grow and just seeing what what we can bring into the communities and kind of setting a new path for the way uh, this epilepsy nonprofit is going to be run. So that's exciting. And then, you know, locally, we have raised money and put together a program for medical services in Louisiana. It will be the first of its kind. It will be exclusively for people with epilepsy, and it's for indigent care for adults. Uh, there's really not a problem with access to care in New Orleans, but anything north of New Orleans, which is pretty much the rest of the state, uh, people find themselves in the emergency room all the time. They don't have insurance, and they don't know where to go. And it's just it's the conversation we just had. They, they either just wait to have the next seizure or they get shuffled to somebody who's not an expert in epilepsy or who never really sees epilepsy. So our medical service program is going to start in Baton Rouge, and so they, there will be a recommendation from the emergency room, and we will help that person provide services for epilepsy care through a, a neurologist. So we've earmarked some funds for it. We have the program in place, so we, we look forward to rolling that out next year. Well, that is awesome. Uh, well, first of all, before I ask you the last question, Allison, it has been a pleasure to have you as a guest on the show today. And for those of you listening, if you're thinking, oh, I wish someone else could have heard this, they can. You can go to iTunes and download the show. It's on demand. Or go to my website to radio shows. They're all archived. Uh, and it would be great for you to share this with other people that you know that need to be educated in this area. Allison, thank you so much for everything you're doing and being with us today. What message would you like to leave with our listeners today? I, just don't be scared of epilepsy. Just don't be scared. If you have epilepsy, reach out to your local communities that can help you uh, there are people just like you who are having the same struggles, and you will find comfort in talking to people with epilepsy. And, you know, for employers and schools and just the community, don't be scared when you see somebody have a seizure. That is what's naturally occurring at the time, and we can get through it. So call us. We can help educate you so you can be prepared. And people with epilepsy can live. We want them to live their best life. And we're not here to say how that's supposed to look, but we want to help them figure it out. Yes. Well, thank you for everything you're doing, uh, Allison. You are, as I said, a fireball. (laughs) Well, thank you. All right, everyone. Well, we end every show with a quote, uh, and that quote today is, our greatest natural resource is... The Minds of Our Children, said Walt Disney. I really look forward to the show next week and for you joining us because next week we're having Steve Sorovic and David Tinker on the show. Uh, And to put that in perspective, they are Achieva, the group, the not-for-profit group in Pittsburgh that supported the two brothers that were massacred at the synagogue. You've got to hear about them and what's been happening at Achieva. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week with Achieva.
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.